Praise the Lord. Amen. You magnify the name of the Lord tonight. Amen. That's what our lives are here for is to magnify his wonderful name. Amen. He is a, he's a mighty God among us. Amen. We want to bring you greetings tonight. Amen. From our pastor, Brother Ray Erickson, Homeward Church there, True Word Tabernacle. He said, send his love and his greetings. And uh, so God bless each one of you. We want to welcome uh, the folks that are with us tonight from Ohio. God bless you. Where are you at, Nathan? Somewhere. Up there he is. He's head and shoulders above the crowd. Amen. And uh, God bless you and Seth. And amen. We have our, our wife, Carissa, with us. And we want to thank you to them to be with us tonight. We ask uh, tonight that you uh, maybe just remember some prayer. Amen. We have some special things on our heart. We'd like to see the Lord really move upon throughout this weekend. And I know that you've come with some special needs. Amen. To see the Lord work and move among us. I do want to say uh, that we highly appreciate the opportunity to stand before you tonight. And I want to thank you for your time to come. And many of you have traveled and you've, uh, some of you come all the way from Norway. God bless you, sis. And uh, so it's good to have them here and then there in Europe. And uh, so there's, a, there's a, a gathering of people here tonight. And some of you have traveled a long ways to be here. And we want to thank each of you. Uh, I, and I do want to take just a moment. I don't want to take much of your time here. But I do want to just take a moment to tell Brother Tim Pruitt. We certainly thank him for the opportunity to stand here tonight and to preach in his platform. To have his confidence. And uh, he's shown a lot of love to us. Uh, in our ministry and we certainly appreciate him and all that he has done for us and our family of course these men of God here behind me all of them are greatly appreciated brother Spencer has been a, a tremendous blessing in the Lawson home and uh, we thank God for him and so I, I'm highly honored to be here with you and with them tonight and you know um, I do want to say that we certainly miss our brother Donnie Reagan tonight uh, we we want to remember him in prayer. Uh, he wasn't able to be with us this year, but I I know I miss him, and I know you guys all do. And Amen. And if he, uh, we just want to say God bless him and his church tonight. Amen. And uh, if we could maybe just bow our hearts tonight for a word of prayer. I wonder, would there be a special need in the building tonight? God bless his hands. I'm going to ask you to help me tonight. Maybe you just reach over and lay your hand on next to the person there that's with you. There's been so many hands lifted in this building. And as the sons and daughters of God, I'm going to ask you to petition heaven on their behalf. And pray with me that God, the God of mercy, would move among us tonight. Almighty God the creator of heavens and earth. We approach your great throne tonight because you have given us the mercy that through the name of Jesus Christ that you would hear our prayer. And Lord, we lift our voice to you tonight where you made a promise that you would hear us, Lord, and that you would answer. Now, Lord Jesus, we come to you. Lord, we come to you on behalf of your mercy and the grace that you have shown us, Lord. And we're asking you tonight that you would move in this meeting. Father, before our people, before the children of God, we acknowledge we have no abilities here. We have nothing that we can do, but we do invite you, who is the creator among us, Lord. And Father, we don't only invite you, but we release you. We take the bonds off of you, Lord, and we're asking you to be more than just a savior among us tonight. 
but we're asking you to demonstrate your great healing anointing Lord may the great miraculous one walk among us tonight may you show yourself alive among us Lord Jesus we welcome you in all of your power and all of your glory and all of your authority Lord we do not believe that you're dead Lord we do not believe you're restricted but we believe you're the limitless God the one that's able to do anything anywhere anytime and Lord Jesus we invite you we welcome you here in this building tonight now father as their hands are laid one on the other lord you told us that father that there was power in a believer's hands and now as we lay our hands upon one another we ask you in the name of jesus christ lord by the written word of god and the commission upon a believer's life lord may you may you begin to move upon those prayers and father may you bind every spirit in this building that's unlike you every spirit of demon and sickness and temptation every unbelief and every spirit of criticism satan we bind you as the church of the living god and lord we ask you to come and move freely among us tonight lord may you bind up the brokenhearted may you set at liberty them that are bruised i i pray for your mercy tonight i pray for strength and the healing for the children of god lord we ask you to loose the great anointing among us lord may may you feel welcome lord here in your assembly now lord jesus we ask these things in the mighty name of jesus christ we pray amen and amen we thank you for it father in jesus name in jesus name amen and god bless you tonight if you have your bibles we would like to go into the word of the lord uh, I would just like to read a scripture tonight uh, from Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. Isaiah 10 and verse 27. We thank the Lord for his word tonight. And uh, we thank God that he's preserved a Bible that we could read from. In Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. May God bless his word as you can be seated tonight. I want to speak to you just shortly tonight on a, a, a text here from this scripture. But I want to title this the anointed bride body. Of Jesus Christ, the anointed bride body of Jesus Christ. The prophet says in Christ, the mystery of God revealed, he said there would come a time forth. He would express himself in the fullness of his Godhead deity through his church. He would have preeminence in his church. Oh my, the anointed man, now the anointed people to bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom anointed by why? Accepting what Eve turned down and Adam, but coming back with the anointing of the word because he said, my word is spirit. See, he anointed with the word. What Eve turned down, he comes back and we accept. He comes back and we accept the anointed man. Now the anointed people to bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom to bring back the anointed bridegroom. And I take my text from there tonight, the anointed bride body of Jesus Christ. You know, I believe tonight that the anointing matters. 
I believe that the anointing matters. The anointing changes things, you know. I realize that there is a lot of people in the world that don't believe the anointing does matter. They don't respect the anointing. It matters not to them. But I believe to any Bible reader, they know that the anointing is of most important to the church of the living God. It is a great difference in your life or whether that life is an anointed life or it's just a carnal life. Amen. And God shows us in the scripture of how much the anointing matters. Now, in the Old Testament, the scripture that I read to you is a scripture from the book of Isaiah. And it's actually dealing with a time that when, uh, when God showcases what, what difference the anointing makes uh, when, that it, when, when, when the enemy attacks the anointed of God. Now, the scripture that I'm reading here has to do with a time that when the Assyrians were great. It's just before Babylon. This is when the Assyrian army is, is grew up in great power and they're controlling the world. And they're actually attacking Israel. Now, what has happened in previous scripture here is that Israel has been attacked and overtaken by Assyria. Now, when we say Israel, you must realize that that is actually a time after Solomon when Israel has been divided into two different kingdoms. Now, we're going to be dealing with Israel as a kingdom and Judah as a kingdom. There's 10 tribes in Israel and there's two tribes in Judah and they have separate kings. And many times you'll hear them talk about the king of Judah or the king of Israel. They're talking about kings of two different kingdoms. They're all the children of Abraham, but they've been divided after the rule of Solomon, the next kings, they begin to divide. And so the scripture tells us, of course, that God raised up the Assyrians. And he did it because that there had come great, uh, there had come great uh, uh, idolatry in Israel. And God always allowed uh, uh, Israel to be punished whenever it moved into idolatry. And it moved away from the living God. But now the thing uh, that, that the world or that the, uh, that the rest of the world didn't know is that Israel was God's chosen people. So if God allowed something to happen to them, it was only because God allowed it to happen. And God would allow, like he did with the Assyrian army, he allowed them to go in, they overtook Israel, and they literally carried them away. Now you've heard of the lost 10 tribes of Israel, and, and many people say, well, the lost 10 tribes. Now what that's talking about is it's talking about the 10 tribes that were living in Israel. They never had returned in their homeland like it was in the days later when Jerusalem was carried away into Babylon and they were only there for 70 years and then they returned back to Babylon. So they returned back so those two tribes never were lost. But the other 10 tribes were lost and scattered into the world. That's what is going on now. Those tribes have been gathered up and sent back into Israel. But what we find out is is that whenever these 10 tribes are destroyed under the Assyrian army that it makes this Assyrian king it makes him uh, boastful. It makes him prideful. You know, it's kind of much like Nebuchadnezzar because that he had a victory. He decided that he was greater than the God of Israel. Because he whipped Israel, he thought, surely I'm greater than the God of Israel. But he didn't recognize that the only power he had over Israel is that God gave him that power or he never would have been able to do that. So what happens is, is he got boastful in his mind and then began to say, well, I'm going to go down there and do to Jerusalem and to Judah what I've done to Israel. And when, when he begins to do this, Jerusalem begins to get worried. The king of Judah begins to, to struggle. And, then, and, and the next thing you know, then he goes to the prophet and he begins 
begins to say to him, well, we're going to be destroyed just like them others are going to be destroyed. Amen. But that's when this scripture is written, when the prophecy of Isaiah comes back to him and he says, see, but the burden off of these shall be broken. And the scripture said the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now look what he's saying to them. Because of the anointing that is upon Jerusalem, amen, things will not be the same here as what they were in Israel. Now see the devil a lot of times, he he attacks people, he attacks all kinds of people, he does all kinds of things. But just because he can do it in one place doesn't mean he can do it in the other. I, I think sometimes we ought to remind the devil that he is a limited devil. Amen. I don't care. The devil likes to run around like he can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants. But let me assure you tonight, the devil is limited. And the Bible actually is full of places where God put a limit on the devil and allowed him to do certain things but wouldn't allow him to do other things to let you and I know, amen, that no matter what the devil thinks, amen, God still is in control at all times of our lives and everything that happens to us. Amen. Job's a great example, isn't he? Amen. But God told that devil he can do whatever he wants, but then he draw the line to show you can only go so far. Come on. Y'all know it's all in the prophecy in the book of Genesis when the Bible said that the woman's seed shall bruise the head of the serpent. And he said, what did he say? He said, but the head of the serpent shall bruise the heel of the woman's seed. And what's, amen, it means it's only limited to the heel. So the devil is limited of what he can do in the church of the living God. I don't think there's probably a greater example of that than sitting right behind us tonight. Brother Ron Spencer sitting here, amen, I don't know, now we're working on three years, amen, and just a few years ago they were telling Brother Ron, amen, get your preparations, you'll only be here a few days, amen, this cancer's going to take you, you're not going to, I think four months is what they were giving him, amen, but here we are three years later and he's still with us. Now, you said preacher, amen, there's still cancer, there's still sickness, I tell you, Ron Spencer's sick, but sickness is not in dominion over Ron Spencer's life. Amen. I, I tell you this, and I want that devil to know that. You can make these bodies sick, but you cannot control our lives, and you have no dominion over the church of the living God. I want the devil to know I know he's a limited demon. I know he's a fallen angel and he has limits and he cannot do what he wants, where he wants, how he wants. There is a God who looks over the children of Israel. There's a God that moves upon the heart of the children of Israel. I believe it tonight. I believe that God, amen, allows things in our lives. But God knows exactly. So can I say this very clearly? Cancer cannot kill a believer. Amen. Nothing can take a believer. Amen. The only reason a man leaves this earth is when God is finished with that man. And until that time, the devil can throw everything he wants, but it will do no good. He said, that's pretty bold. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. So, hey man, the prophet is telling these, these, the king of Judah, listen, I know it looks bad. I know Israel looks like, but just because that's happening to Israel doesn't mean it's going to happen here. I hope you're hearing me because that devil's raging against our young people. He's raging against it all over the world. But just because he's destroying all the youth in this world doesn't mean he can put his hands upon the church of the living God. Listen to me, young people. You are not just another young people. 
You are not never just another group of people. You are the anointed of Almighty God. God has poured his anointing upon the church of the living God and have given us some of the greatest young people in the world sets in the message of the hour. Not because you're members of Evening Lights. Not because you're members of True Word Tabernacle. Not because you're a member of the New Life Outreach. But because God chose you before the foundation of the world and have anointed you to stand in the most wicked of all ages. But our God has confidence that what he did will stand in the midst of all this trouble. Now Isaiah wanted this man to know. He, Isaiah's a Bible preacher. I love how Isaiah does things because he don't just say something. Isaiah goes ahead and makes a point scripturally with him. If you look at the 26th verse of the same chapter of Isaiah in the 10th chapter, 26th verse, look what he said. He said, the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him according to the slaughter of the median at the rock of Oreb as he was at the Rod Sea, so shall he lift up after the manner of Egypt. Now look what he's saying to him. Isaiah says to the king of Judah, look, this devil that's approaching you, I'm going to make it like it was in the days of Gideon at the rock of Oreb. Now I know y'all study your Bibles, but that rock of Oreb's a pretty good study. Now what it's about is that when Gideon took 300 men and whipped 135,000. Isn't that beautiful? He took 300 men and whipped 135,000 because the anointing was upon his life. The anointing matters when you go to war. The anointing matters when you're looking for deliverance. The anointing matters because the anointing can bring you a deliverance in the midst of an unequal odds. And, and look what happens, 135,000. Now here's, here's the story though, because there was a bunch of the, of the children of Israel, I think it was actually Ephraimites, who was actually a part of the original men that come out to go to war with Gideon, and God turned them away and sent them home. But there was a group of the original ones that come out that wasn't able to go fight. They didn't go home. They went and waited to see maybe they could get a chance in battle. So they didn't go all the way back home. They didn't, they didn't just say, hey, we ain't on the front charge and we're just gonna go home and forget about this. Amen, but they went somewhere and waited and just so happens maybe we can get in this battle. And the scripture records that whenever they begin to root the enemy, that the enemy begin to run and the leaders of the Midianites took out in a certain direction and Gideon called for the backups to enter into the, into the, the battle and they chased down the leaders of those Midianites and they found them hiding in the rocks of Orb. Now, they call it the rock of Orb now. It wasn't the rock of Orb then. It was just big rock out there in the middle of the place. But this is where one of the leaders of the, of the Midianites hid behind that rock. Now, I tell you, it's a pretty powerful thing to know this because what the moral of the story is that you can't hide from God when God becomes your enemy. When God takes up the battle, that, that leader of the Midianites thought, I'll cause all this trouble and I'll run off and I'll hide in a rock somewhere. But listen, there is no rock that can hide a man. There is no rock that can hide a devil. Amen. If God would take up a battle, there is no devil can hide from the God of justice and grace. Listen, somebody said, well, amen, I serve a God of peace. I'll tell you what, he is a God of peace, but he's also a God of war. And when our God begins to fight for you, I'll tell you what it is. He'll dig up those enemies and destroy them, everyone. You know what he'll do? He'll cause them to name places after the defeat of the devil. 
hundreds of years later, Isaiah is literally telling the king of Judah, I'm going to make these Assyrians like the rock of Oreb. In other words, amen, if you're wondering, go out there and look at those rocks. And they were testimony to the God that saves by 300 and destroys 135,000 because of the anointing. If you don't trust the anointing, the rock of Oreb is there to testify that when a man trusts the anointing of God, that the God of Abraham can change the situations of his life. Let me say something to you tonight. I trust the anointing of God. I trust the power of the Holy Ghost to change things. He said, well, Brother Wayne, what are you saying? The scripture says that he would make him like the slaughter of the Midianites and he would also make it like the rod upon the sea. Now, can you imagine the, the children of Israel all knew the story of how God swallowed an entire army in a sea. It only happened one time in scripture. And it was one of the great stories in the history of their, of their forefathers. So he said, these, these, these Assyrians are gonna be like those Egyptians. They're gonna swim with too much lead. Now in 2 Kings, it tells the same story. Because what happens is that Judah is, is, is worried about it. And the Bible said in the 19th chapter, 32nd verse, 2 Kings, it said, therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. I like this. Thus saith the Lord, thank you, concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came is the same way he's gonna return. And shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. I will defend the city to save it for mine own sake, for my servant David's sake. Oh my goodness. It's been hundreds of years since God had Samuel anoint David. It's been a long time ago. People thought, well, that, that don't matter that that old man poured that oil over that man's head. That has nothing to do with nothing. It's just an old man in a house pouring some oil and saying some words over some ruddy little kid. But all these years later, Assyria's trying to attack, but the words of a prophet spoke over a child of God still had anointing. And I'll tell you something tonight, because of the anointing upon David, Assyria could not take Jerusalem. That might not mean a lot to people what this William Branham has said over this church of the living God. Amen, but it matters to God. It might not matter what was said in some little room when the Spirit of God was poured over you and some words were spoke over your life. It might not mean anything to the, to the church world what William Branham said concerning a bride. But when it comes to God, I want you to know because of the anointing, because of what was spoken over your life, there's no devil can defeat you. There's no power that can hold you. Let me say this, the devil cannot come now this city and the same way he came, he will return. He said, preacher, you're, you're off a bow. I know the anointing of God is spoken over this generation. And there is a group of believers that have put under the anointing of a prophet of God. And when those words were spoken over them, they're not just little words. 
They're effective words. They're powerful words. Listen, if you don't think they ain't powerful, that was the mystery of why David could whip Goliath, amen, with only a slingshot. It's the mystery of why David was not scared of Goliath because he was already anointed. Goliath could say what he wanted to. I'll destroy you. I'll tear you down. Amen. But David was already anointed. So he wasn't scared of that battle. He wasn't worried what was going to happen because the anointing was already setting upon him. And listen tonight, you don't have to fear that devil. You don't have to fear what he said he's going to do with your life and how he's going to destroy because he's a liar to begin with. And there's an anointing of God upon the church of the living God. That anointing says we will not die but we shall live and we will live in power and we will live in authority said brother Wayne what's the mystery I'll tell you the mystery is the anointing (laughs) what's the difference in these churches it's the anointing the anointing is the difference he said preacher the anointing don't matter oh but for David's sake for the anointing's sake For the anointing's sake. Because I anointed David, they will not take this city. That's pretty powerful. You say, preacher, did God back it up? God backed it up. The Bible says in the 35th verse, it came to pass that night, the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of Assyria a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. A hundred and eighty-five thousand Assyrians died that night because of the anointing. The king of Judah never touched the head of one of them Assyrian soldiers, but the anointing went out. And the anointing destroyed the enemy that was going to hold. I say tonight, amen, that what we really need is to get the anointing of God in the church and to turn it loose and let it kill every devil. Let it kill every problem. Let it kill every situation. Let the anointing loose in the church of the living God. Come on, you got problems we can't fix. You got situations we cannot counsel you through. But there's a God who can come down in the building tonight and change every situation. So, by the way, this stuff, I tell you what, these, these, these things are coming. They're built up to destroy us. All these things are being built up. And, and I see the enemy rising on this side. I see the enemy rising here. I see that. Calm yourself. Worry not. Let the fear pass from you because of the anointing. So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying in Isaiah 54, the same prophet said, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that rise against thee in the judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousnesses of me, saith the Lord. Does it matter? He said a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Brother, the anointing matters. The anointing matters. When God hath anointed, amen, in the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, the scripture tells us a story that even the son of God had become anointed. Isn't that something? The Son of God became anointed. Luke chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible said, And there were delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which had opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. I don't have a time to preach there, but I'll say this. The book of Isaiah is 66 books. 
66 chapters. It's the only book Jesus could take and have the whole Bible. So he opened the book and found the place. I love it. He found the place that was written of him. He identified with the anointing that was upon him and what it was going to do. He knew exactly what that anointing was for because that the prophet had spoke over his life. Listen, I know there's a bunch of Pentecostals out here and they're shouting and screaming over the anointing. Amen, but if there's no word over their life, what's the anointing for? They pour anointing out, pour anointing out, shout and scream and holler. Amen, that's all good, but what for? But there must be a word and that word is spoken over the church and under the anointed word, then the bride body knows how to manifest the word of the age they're living in. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He knew why it was on him and he knew what it was. Isn't that beautiful? He knew why and what. A lot of people probably thought of all kinds of things, but he knew. He said he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives. Of course, this is Isaiah 61. He's reading to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister, sat down. All the eyes of them were fastened in the synagogue upon him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day is this scripture Fulfilled in your ears. The anointing is here to manifest this portion of the word of God. He was identifying the anointing was upon him for the purpose of identifying that portion of scripture for the season they were living in. That anointing. Amen. That anointing, of course. That anointing is the great pillar of fire. Now, I've got to skip ahead and skip back here uh, to, to get to these points, but you bear with me just a moment. But the anointing is the pillar of fire. How many knows that? Can we, uh, can we remember here not too long from where we're sitting, amen, the anointing of God came upon William Branham. It was just there over in Texas when the Lord had a great picture made with him. Now, in the pillar of fire in 1953, the Bible, uh, the, the prophet of God says it like this. He said, he led Israel. He said, I want you to read some scripture closely now. God commissioned Moses to send him. He said, over in Exodus, the 23rd chapter and the 21st, listen closely now. I'll send my angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. To bring thee into the place that I have prepared. I will send my angel before thee. Now, the prophet of God says this. He says, now watch this. My angel shall go before thee. He said, now let's see what the angel looked like. In the 13th chapter of Exodus, he said, we read it in verses 21 and 22. For the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them and by night by the pillar of fire to give them light. Can we have that picture? Right here in, in a Coliseum in Houston, Amen, we found that the critics were trying to disprove William Branham's ministry and that God was a healer and that God was a savior. And they challenged, they challenged these things and they brought a, a photographer along to take pictures of how they were going to overrun these men of God and make fools of them. Well, I'll tell you what, after taking all them pictures, they only had one picture to turn out. They only had one picture to turn out and it's that picture right there. 
Now, some people say, well, Brother Wayne, amen, what, what's that picture about? Well, first of all, let me say it's an authentic picture. And it's been verified scientifically to be the only supernatural photograph ever taken. The phenomena, amen, of the picture that is there is not the man William Branham. The phenomena is what's above his head. It's exactly what we're reading in scripture here that it was the same angel that led the children of Israel (coughs) which was the pillar of fire, the angel of the Lord or the angel of the covenant. Now that pillar of fire that you're looking at right there, that picture was not taken by your friends. That picture was not taken by our ministry team. That picture was not taken by Perry Green. That picture was not taken by Oral Roberts. That was not Brother Branham's campaign took it. That was your critics that took that picture. That was your critics that took that picture. And God has made your critics testify that the same angel that led the children of Israel has come back to anoint the bride of Jesus Christ. And I salute the return of the pillar of fire in my generation. I say we ought to welcome him in the church of the living God. You say, Brother Wayne, the same one, the same very one. You have a picture of him. Now listen, when Paul was preaching, he didn't have that picture. When Peter was preaching, he didn't have that picture. When Martin Luther was preaching, he didn't have that picture. And they turned the world upside down. And here we have physical evidence of the awareness of the pillar of fire among the church. We ought to turn this world upside down with the anointing of God that has come in this generation. We ought to tell every critic. We ought to tell every unbeliever. He said, Brother Wayne, amen, there's a lot of reproach. There's a lot of reproach with this. Well, in the Bible, in Hebrews 11 and 26, it said that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Israel. He would rather have the reproach of the pillar of fire as all the riches of Egypt. I'll tell you what, God would make a man like that. You say, Christ, the reproach of Christ. Jesus wasn't alive in Moses' day. Come on, the physical body wasn't born to the middle of the Bible. And Moses was prophesying of his coming. Moses said, uh, was speaking here, Paul was speaking of Christ being the anointing or being the pillar of fire. Now that was what John bore record of at the Jordan River when that great pillar of fire hovered and came down and dwelt in the body of Jesus Christ. That's why he was born Jesus and called the Christ. He was the anointed son of God. He's not just the son of God. He's the anointed son of God. He's not just the word. He's the anointed word. He's not just the letter. He's the dynamics of the letter. He's not just the word. He's the word and the flesh together. My God is not dead. He's still alive. He's not there in a tomb in Jerusalem. He's here tonight in authority and power. And I feel the vibration of the power of God. That pillar of fire is the anointing. It's the logos. 
brother. It's the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God. Isn't that something? In the beginning was the Logos. Do you know what the prophet tells us? He tells us the first thing ever coming to creation was that light. The first thing that ever happened, God said, let there be light. Hey, and that great visible image of the invisible God become whirling out there as the great logos of the anointing. And out of that come ever creative power. And out of that come ever creative anointing. Listen, no wonder, no wonder when God come back into this generation and a prophet stood there and created squirrels. No wonder he could do it. The same one that created the first squirrel was the same one creating squirrels today. The same God, amen, that would cause a resurrection in that day. It's the same God that was in this day. Christ was the anointing. The Logos that went out of God. Jesus Christ the same, 1964. Now any Bible, any Bible read, neither knows the angel was Christ. And he comes today in the form the same Christ manifesting himself. Look at this. He led them by a pillar of fire. That was the anointing, the Holy Spirit, Christ. Powerful. Brother Bram says in the pillar of fire, the angel, if Jesus is the same angel, the same angel of the covenant was Jesus Christ. For the Bible said Moses esteemed the, Christ, the riches of Christ greater. Christ is the Logos, of course, the one that went out of God in the beginning. The first thing that ever appeared in the heavens has appeared in our generation. The first visible image that God ever took has come to our generation to tell you I am still God. In the face of Laodicea, in the face of every system, in the face of every tradition, I am still God. I want you to know he's not just God above us. He's not just God with us. He has come to be God in us. The same yesterday, today, and forever. If he ever was God, he still is God. He said, preacher, how did he get in us? How did he get in us? I'll tell you what a prophet said. He said, read the book of Acts, the second chapter, when the Bible said they were all gathered in one accord. 120 of them were gathered in the upper room and a mighty rushing wind come in the room. And there were cloven tongues of fire. Cloven tongues of fire. You said, preacher, what's that about? Cloven tongues of fire. The prophet of God said, God, the great Logos, divided himself and got into the bodies of those believers. Now you can call the Holy Ghost emotion if you want to. You can call the Holy Ghost some little, some little something you can take or leave if you want to. But in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost was the physical presence of the pillar of fire divided and brought into the church of the living God. God is in his church today in the power of the pillar of fire to bring an anointing upon this bride. And let me tell you, it makes a difference. A Holy Ghost filled Christian next to a denomination Christian makes a difference it makes a difference it's a pillar of fire it is broke up set upon each of them cloven tongues of fire I love this one brother Bram says see we're not a divided people we got to be in unity because we're each one holding a part of God 
We must come together. Then the pillar of fire is manifested in its wholeness, in its fullness. When his church sets together in heavenly places, then the fullness of the power of God is in his church. Each one holding spiritual gifts and spiritual offices coming together that brings the pillar of fire back again. It brings the pillar of fire back again. He separated himself, be not afraid, 61. Divided himself amongst the people, cloven tongues of fire set upon each one of them. God separated himself to his church. No wonder he spoke, where two or three are gathered in my name. I will be in the midst of them. If you have two agree on one thing, ask it and I'll give to you. What is it? When the little fire here and the little fire there, each part of you are a part of God. When it comes together, it's the body of Christ uniting. Brother, no wonder the devil hates meetings like this. No wonder the devil hates when they come from Europe and they come from Ohio and they come from Arkansas and they come from Texas and they come from Louisiana. No wonder he hates it because even the devil can see that in this dark, dark world when the light of the pillar of fire is moving in a heart. Can you imagine the devil watching them little licks of fire driving down to Minden, Louisiana and them throwing everything they can? You know I'm telling you the truth. That devil done everything he could do to stop you from gathering with the other licks of fire in the house of God. I think Brother Ron throwed up five or six times before we left the house. That devil saying, I don't want that lick of fire down there. But listen, God has put us together to let the anointing of these men of God gather together to give that devil a whipping in the house of God. Bring the anointing. The anointing that is here with me now is the angel of the Lord. It is the pillar of fire. I'm quoting a prophet here now. He said, preacher, what are you saying? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a huge thing going on in the, in the energy world right now, in power world. There's a huge thing in laser beams. It's a pretty powerful study. If you want to go study it, it's amazing because everybody's trying to figure out how to get energy outside of coal and, and natural resources. So the, 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 cheapest, the cheapest way they can go is if they could get the sun on the earth because the sun produces more energy in a minute than we can use in 100 years. You know, I don't know what the figures are, but it's, it's huge because the sun uses, it uses fusion to power itself and it is a, an unlimited source of power. Now, I want you to think about this. Because scientists back in the 70s decided that we need to get the sun on the earth. Now, they said, how can we do this? There was nothing they had that had enough individual power to reproduce a fusion through, through uh, light beams. But now, now, if you study lasers, lasers are powerful. They're using them in warheads and everything else now. It, the lasers have become very powerful. But there was a fellow who designed a, a product that, that he could take, I think it was 192 or 193 laser beams. And he could take those laser beams. Any of them are powerful by themselves. But he decided and got his figures that if I could get 192 of them focused on a point that is as small as the eraser on a pencil, that I could reproduce the same energy on the earth that is found in the sun. Not one of them could do it by themselves. But if we could get 192 agreeing on one point, 
it would generate the same power that was in the heaven would come on the earth. Well, I'll tell you what, they started in the 1970s. They actually built a very, a very powerful system and they built a great big complex. They call it the ignition facility. And they want to get together to ignite. They want to have this ignition of these lasers. Now they had to design them. I was preaching about this at home the other day and one of our brothers there, he's a, I don't know how many PhDs he's got, a couple of them. He, and I was talking about it and after the service he come and said well actually he was, he's in 3D printing he said actually we hired the engineer that engineered that project he said I know him personally he said they engineered that he said so as they had to build a huge, a huge place and they had to bring it in a certain condition and they had to get everything in a certain spot before they could fire and have ignition. Now they started that in the 1970s. Do y'all realize they have just now fired that thing back about a year ago. They finally got a successful ignition. Which means they made fusion into fission right here on the earth. Fission into fusion. In other words, I, I don't want to get deep into it, but I will say this to you. Y'all know, if, if I get them right, fusion is the thing that causes the division. No, opposite. Fusion is the thing that brings them together. Because I, I remember this point, it fizzes. When it fizzes, it breaks it apart. So it's a, it's a fission bomb. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a fizz. You know, it fizzes out, fizzes. So, but it, but it breaks now to, to y'all what that actually means is it means the nucleus of the atom breaks apart, creates an energy, which is exactly what they used when they blew up Hiroshima. But now today the, the nuclear bombs we're using are actually fusion bombs where they're not dividing atoms, they're putting atoms together. But to put two atoms together, you have to have an explosion that is powerful enough to jam them together. It's like you take two magnets that have opposite and they want to repel. It takes a lot of power to put them together. And, and you see that those, those nucleuses of the atoms are positive charge. They don't want to go together. But they have found a way to be able to reproduce an actual sunlight fusion on the earth by putting all of them beings together. He said, preacher, what point are you making? I'll tell you this. They can take 192 man-made light beams and get enough unity out of them through scientific research to put them on the same point and release an ignition that'll bring a powerful as nuclear upon the earth. He said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this is the season that God has released a headship over the church of the living God that can take members of this bride from around the world and put them on the same point at the same time and focus them by the power of God. Listen, if the man can do it with 192, brother, what was it that day on the day of Pentecost when 120 of them gathered in the upper room and they was in one mind, in one accord? And what happened on the day of Pentecost we are still talking about today. I believe if we could get 120 in this room and we get them together on the same principle and the same point that there's an anointing that would release in this building and it'd be greater than anything you've ever saw in your life. You said, Brother Wayne, it can get greater. It'll get greater. And it'll get greater. And it'll get greater. This bride is not going backwards, brother. She's going upwards. She's increasing in anointing. She's increasing in power. 
The seed has come out of the shock and we are manifesting the word and the age we're living in. Yeah, that bomb, that, that fission bomb, it's not half as powerful as the, as the new fusion. It's a lot more powerful. Amen. Now, now this is, I don't want y'all to throw me out for this, but y'all, y'all forgive me, but I read it right in the message. Brother Branham said when he told Hattie Wright about creating them squirrels, he said when she said amen to that, he said it released a super anointing in the room that was greater than when I created the squirrels. When the bride amens this message, I believe that the message being preached today will generate a greater anointing than it did back in the days when Brother Branham broke these messages open. Because now there are believers who have opened up their soul and said, God, pour the anointing in and allow the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe it's generated an anointing in the church of the living God that brings strength and power and anointing upon them. 120 gathered. I believe it's in the unity of the Spirit of God. It's the pillar of fire. Now what's he doing here? He's leading the church. He's leading them to promises. He's leading them into anointing. <laughs> now I know people, people they come into meetings that we preach and and they say, well, my, that gets awful emotional and there gets awful. Well, y'all excuse me. And y'all, y'all forgive me. I'm sorry this message has power. But if you won't water this down and you'll take the gloves off and preach what the prophet said, it'll generate a power that'll change our mortal bodies. There's an anointing in this message. We do not have to borrow the Pentecostal's anointing. We don't have to borrow the Baptist's anointing. The anointing on this bride is the same Jesus Christ. Come on, I know what I'm saying. And then they say, well, you got them young people hollering and shouting and dancing. Well, let me ask you something. Is there an age limit on this anointing? Who put the age limit on it? Who said only old people can get under the anointing of God? But I believe we ought to release the anointing. I believe we ought to let it go. I believe it ought to get in our young people and fill them. Well, some guy running around here the other day saying, well, they're preaching too deep for the young people. They're too deep for the young people. They're too deep. I think, well, have mercy. What young people are you talking about, man? The young people I'm talking to could, could stir the head of a theologian. The young people I'm preaching to are Bible taught, message fed, Holy Ghost filled children of God. Come on, they do more than play football on the weekend. They do more. They come to the house of God and have meetings and enjoy the... So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying young people today understand the depths of pornography. They understand the depths of internet. They understand the depths of society. How much greater can the child of God understand the depth of God and allow the power of God to come in the church? I say we ought to take the limits off. We ought to take the bonds off. We ought to release Jesus in his own church. So by the way, we might lose control. Well, praise be to God. I pray we lose control long enough somebody can get saved. 
Well, I think you're out of order with that. The prophet of God said you are to worship God till you forget who you are. When's the last time you did it? You are to get so drunk in the spirit of God that they would say to you, are these all drunk? And somebody would have to say, no, sir. These are full of the Holy Ghost and power of God. I believe we ought to release it. I believe we ought to. Come on, church. Amen. We are promised an anointing in this age. My Bible says in the book of Joel that I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. And in the same season, I will pour out both former and latter rain. Oh, then there's the problem, isn't it? It's the rain. That's the problem because everybody says, well, Brother Wayne, don't you know people can shout and dance and still be lost? And I, I, I don't want to be arrogant, but once in a while I want to go, duh. Do you don't think that I ain't read them 432 quotes where the prophet preaches on false anointed ones? Do you don't think that I ain't read every time Brother Branham said you can shout and dance and have an experience and not be saved? You don't think I don't read that? I could care less, amen, what everybody else is doing or not doing. I know God promised rain in this generation. So what are we going to do? God don't send the rain. There's hypocrites in the church. God don't send the rain. Some people don't live right in the church. Don't you dare send no rain in the church and somebody that ain't saved might get a blessing. Well, let them get a blessing. It might be the only thing they ever get. Why would you refuse them a blessing from God? He said, preacher, what are you talking about? I tell you this, I believe the rain is here for a purpose. I believe the rain is the anointing that God sends upon the church on the last day. Let me make my case here. There are people sitting in this room that you are a seed of God from the foundation of the world. I've got a prophet here saying that when you come into this life, there was a seed down on the inside of you. It didn't get put here when you come to the altar. It didn't get here when you raised your hand. It didn't get here when you said, I believe the message. But you were put here in this earth with a seed on the inside of you that was a part of the eternal God from the foundation of the world because eternal life doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. Eternal means eternal. That means you wasn't a son on any day. You didn't start being a son yesterday, the week before, or 30 years ago. If you ever are a son you always were you always were a son and down in your soul was a predestinated seed amen there's only one thing that'll get through that seed it's the word that produces the Holy Ghost Say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying there's people sitting in here amen that was a seed to begin with and you're here by the foreknowledge of God there was a young man sitting in our meeting the other day at home. He was sitting there next to his dad. And just out of the blue, I called his name. I said, are you his seed? He said, yeah. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. I said, are you double sure? He said, yeah, I'm sure. I said, you're sure you was his seed before you were born? He said, absolutely. I said, well, don't you know that if God can show you that in the natural, he can show you that in the spiritual? 
Well, I didn't know this, but two weeks later, standing in a, in a line at lunch, he said, Brother Wayne, the other day when you called my name and said those things, I said, yeah. He said, do you know I talked to my wife on Saturday night? And I said, honey, since I've been 12 years old, I wondered if I was really a seed of God. Is the message really for me? And he said, brother, he said, only me and my wife knew about that conversation. He said, and I told her, I said, if God would just beat me over the head, I would know it's true. And brother, the next morning, the first time he's ever been in our church that I've ever called his name, ever. And I called his name. You say, preacher, what is that? The word is still a deserter of the thought and the intent of the heart. The anointing makes a difference. Say, preacher, why you say that? I say that because I say this. Amen. I'm sorry that this message produces anointing. I'm sorry that it produces uncomfortable position for formal devils and traditional ideas. But this message was sent to be arraigned upon the seed of the living God. I cannot help. There is weed in the field. I cannot help. There's hypocrites in the church. But I say there's seed here also. So let it rain. Let it rain. Let the Holy Ghost rain in the church with power and with anointing. I feel like it, brother. I say let it rain. I say the Holy Ghost reign of God ought to rain till every seed is broke open. Until the power of God drops into the church. Well, we don't believe in this in our church. You know what? You know what? I just have to be honest with you right here. Do you know people say to me all the time, how can you say they were before they were? Well, Brother Branham made it simple for a hillbilly. Now, somebody else might need it theologically. This hillbilly understood a prophet good. He said one day there was a duck, he said, who was born down in an e- a chicken pen. I know you know about the eagle, but the duck's pretty good. He said the duck was born down in the chicken pen. I thought that was pretty good because you know what? Some people wonder. Amen. I was mixed up in this and I was mixed up in that. Brother Wayne, could I really ever get a birth? Did I ever come to life? Was there any quickening power? You know what a prophet said? He said it's the atmosphere that hatches the egg. Come on, church. The atmosphere hatches the egg. And that little fellow was stuck in a chicken pen being a duck. You know the problem with chicken pens? They're dry. You know what he was born for? Water. He was not born for dry places. He was born for water. And let me tell you what a prophet said. He said when that little fellow walked around the barn one day and he saw a pond for the first time. He said there was something happened to him and he got a smell of water and he ran straight for the pond. Nobody had to teach him. Nobody had to train him. There was something in him that needed that water. And let me tell you this. If you're going to keep people trapped in the chicken yard, you better keep them away from the water because the first time they ever smell the water, something on the inside begins to wake up and something makes them ready to run. Brother, when that little duck began to awaken, listen, it wasn't, he wasn't by himself. He was a duck to begin with. His granddaddy was a duck. His great-granddaddy was a duck. He was a duck from long years ago. All he needed was a little water. He knew how to swim. 
I say pour out the water and the Holy Ghost and let the church swim. Brother Wayne, I don't know how it is. Brother Ram said he wore a pair of overhauls. He said he had a he said he had a nail for a button. He said we had a water hole down there. We'd take off a running. He said the first guy in would tell him how the water was. He said I'd take off running. I beat them all. He said. He said all I had to do was pull one nail and shake a little. And he'd pull that nail and shake a little. He said he'd jump off in that water. And he said he'd turn around and wave. The water's good. Come on in, boys. Well, let me tell you, the prophet was the first one in this water. Don't tell me I don't have a right in this pond. The prophet got in first and then turned around and said, come on, boys. The water's good. It'll wake you up. It'll give you what you need, the seed. Hey, I was a duck to begin with. Don't blame me for swimming. I got... <laughs> It's in my DNA. And so were you a child of God to begin with. It was in your DNA. That's why you enjoy the meeting when the anointing comes because you come from God. You can go back to God. Come from that fire. No wonder when that fire begins to move, something on the inside of you wakes up. He said, Brother Wayne, what are you saying? I'm saying Jesus said in John 14, he said, he said it very clearly. He said, because I live, ye live also. Because I live, ye live. What does that mean? What a resurrection that was. What a resurrection this is. He lived, now you live. You live to manifest every word that was spoken of this generation. What's going on here tonight? Elohim is materializing himself. This is the whole plan of God. He will speak a word, anoint a word, and manifest a word. Now you have a part in that word. Your part of the word is to manifest what was spoken in this generation. And if there's a seed for the bride in this age, when the anointing comes on the seed, you will never stop that member of the bride from manifesting what God has awakened in them. Look, if you want to keep them in something theological, you better keep them away from the anointing. Because the minute the anointing comes, something's going to wake up in them. What is it? It's Elohim. You know that's actually what's in you right now is Elohim. It is the great pillar of fire. The seed that was in you was always there. And when this rain falls, it falls on the just and the unjust. But don't forget the just. Look, change your focus. Quit worrying about the weed and preach to the seed. You will never change the weed. They were always weed. They will always be weed. God help us to preach the life to a seed that will change their body so we can have a harvest and get out of this place. What is it? It's a harvest time. It's a harvest time. People, people don't hardly care for this kind of worship, but I know they don't. I know they don't. People often say, well, what right do you to have worship like this anyhow? Y'all want to know what my real right is? I'm a son of God. And as being a son of God, I am called Abraham's seed. And as Abraham's seed, I am a royal priesthood. And as a priest, I have to make an offering to my God. 
And that offering is my spiritual sacrifice of praise. People say, well, you people put on too much for me. Do you know the very word sacrifice means you do it when you don't feel like it? The very word sacrifice means I didn't feel like it, but I did it anyhow. You sacrifice, just like Brother Ron sacrificed to be here last night, to be here. To, he didn't feel like it, but he did it anyhow because he's a priest and he sacrificed to show worship to God. And listen, if that man can do that in that shape, you don't have one excuse tonight of why you're not praising God. He said, Brother Wayne, you beating us up? No, sir, I'm giving you rights. If you want to praise God, you've got a right to worship him, to praise him, to love him, to serve him. Listen to me. You said, well, Brother Wayne, I'm not worthy to serve him. I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about him. And let me ask you, what has he ever done that wasn't worthy of your praise? I don't care if you're the lowest, rottenest outfit sitting in this building tonight. He is still Jesus Christ. He is still worthy of all of our praise. <laughs> you know, I'm going to steal buddy, buddy of mine. He's sitting behind me. I'm going to steal something from him. Amen. Ron Spencer said this one time. He said, the only reason you got a right to not praise God is if you're dead. I thought that was pretty good because the Bible said, let everything that hath the breath praise ye the Lord. Let me ask you, should we? You should praise the Lord, God in his sanctuary. Y'all's acting unseemly in the church. David said, do it in the sanctuary. Praise God in the sanctuary, in the firmament of his power. Praise him in his mighty acts. Praise him according to excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery in the heart. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Oh, baby, I didn't read that right. Let me read that again. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. I want to know. I want to know, somebody tell me who took dancing out of church. What devil told you it was wrong to dance in church? David said, praise our God in the dance. It's I'm reading it to you. These young people shouldn't have to go to the bar to learn how to dance. They shouldn't have to go to some rock and roll party to enjoy the word of God. They shouldn't have to get drunk down at the alcohol and party and stand in some. I see young people, amen, their pictures and they're waving. They're some rock and roll God and they're standing out there with their little lights and they're waving. Listen, we didn't come in here tonight to hold a cigarette lighter up to some rock and roll God, but we brought our light. We brought our lick of fire and we've come in the house of God and we're going to wave it and we're going to say in this dark Laodicea, somebody still praises God as people still live and dance and scream and praise. You're going to think I'm crazy, but it don't really matter to me. I was a duck to begin with, and I found the waters. Go ahead, tell me who took dancing out of church. What right you got to take it out? David said it ought to be here. William Branham said it's a sign of victory. If you got enough victory, you got a right to dance. 
We've got a right to dance. Mother, we've got a right to dance. Hallelujah. We still got a right to praise God. Notify hell tonight. There's 192 of us that agree we've got a right to praise God. We got a right to praise him in the timbre, in the trumpet, in the dance. I won't take no for an answer. I'm gonna give worship to God. If I had 10,000 tongues, I would praise him. If I had 10,000 voices, I would give them to him. Well, you don't understand, Brother Wayne. We can't have these young people shout like this. You know in the Bible, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, what the Pharisees had problems with was the noise. They didn't like the young people shouting in the temple. You can read it, Matthew, the 21st chapter. And Jesus said unto them, Have you not read? For out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. You ain't even had praise till you got a young person praising. You ain't even seen real praise until you see a young person that has broke out from the passions and the lust of this evil age and broke out into a realm of victory over the devil and victory over the problems in their life. We're not asking for permission from the devil. We have been given a right by the scripture to worship the God of Abraham. We didn't ask the devil what he thought. We didn't ask his permission. We didn't even invite him to this meeting. Matter of fact, you are free to leave, Satan. You're free to take your unbelieving spirit with you and get out of this place in the name of Jesus Christ. By what authority? You go ahead and tell me. By what authority does the devil take dancing out of the church? and then turn around and blame it on us like we do something wrong when we do what the scriptures told us to do. I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little sick of the devil pushing. It's time to push back. It's time for this bride church to say, we know our rights. I've got a right to worship. I've got a right to praise. I've got a right to quote what the prophet said. By what authority? By what authority do you do these things? I'll tell you what we do and we do them by scripture. Do you know the scripture tells us every parable in the Bible is in effect right now? Man shall not live by word alone, but every, by bread alone, but every word that proceeds. When has there ever been an age where there's been more word than today? Come on, the prophet of God said every parable in the scripture was in effect right now. Say, preacher, what are you saying? Then I'm saying in some days you're going to have to be a Shamgar. But you can't just be Shamgar. Because Shamgar didn't make it all the way, did he? Just a little piece in the scripture. It was just a little part of your character. I got quotes laying right here where a prophet of God said, you got a right to every character that was in the scripture as a Christian. You see what I'm saying? Some points, you're going to be a David and you're going to throw your, your little rock at that devil and you're going to cut his head off. In other places, you're going to be a Miriam with a tambourine and you're going to dance on the sea. Other places, you're going to be a Moses and you're going to prophesy and sing and praise God. Other places, you're going to be a Hannah and you're going to cry out before God. Other places, you're going to be a Mary and you're going to say, be it unto me according to thy word. Other places... One parable doesn't explain you. 
One scripture doesn't explain you. You are the multifaceted presence of Almighty God in the form of the bride. Elohim has come back in the form of a bride and here you stand with material on you. Now I got enough scripture to cover you up on that point. Elohim is back in the bride form. Bringing the fullness of that word. You said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that you're the king. You're the king with an ox nod. You know the prophet of God said that the Holy Ghost will get the church out of any chaos it's in. So brother Wayne, I'll tell you the perfect word by the Holy Ghost, it won't, it won't, won't fix all of our trouble. Liar. Said, preacher, what are you saying? The prophet of God said, the church was given into her hand the arrow of God's deliverance and the Holy Spirit will deliver the church out of any kind of chaos it can get into. Anything you can get into, this anointing will get you out. Any problem, come on church. Israel was in Egypt and God got them out. I'm preaching to you. Peter was back three realms in the prison in a dark place and the pillar of fire went and found that man. Come on, somebody's a Peter here tonight. Somebody is back in that dark place back there. So Brother Wayne, you saying I ain't a Christian? No, Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. But the devil had him locked up in the darkness back there. But there was a prayer meeting going on for him. The pillar of fire went after the man. The anointing of God come down and Peter had already got so comfortable in the prison house, he was sleeping down there. <laughs> he thought, well, I'll never get out of this place. But the anointing wouldn't quit, brother. The anointing will Somebody said, well, brother Wayne, how do I know I'm a child of God? He ain't gonna quit. <laughs> this ain't gonna quit. He won't let you get out there and get comfortable and just stay Stay where you are. Amen. It won't, it won't back off. That, that anointing came right in there where Peter was and smote him in the side, woke that man up and told him to get up. Are you hearing me? If you're back there in that prison house as a child of God and that devil's got you in a dark place, the anointing is in the building and I'm telling you, get up from where you are. Don't lay there another night. Look at that pillar of fire. Went in there and smote him. And when he stood up, the chains fell off of him. The anointing makes a difference. He didn't have to beat them chains off. He just got up to move. And when he started moving, he was a free man. I tell you, if you start moving right now, you're already a free man. God has already did something in this building. Chains are already broken. You know what he did? The Bible said the angel stopped him on the way out and made him get dressed. Isn't that something? Made him gird his loins and put his shoes on. I wonder where that come from in the Bible. When the angel of the Lord was leading Israel out of Egypt, you know what he did? He made them put their shoes on and he made them gird themselves because they was leaving there. He wouldn't allow his children to go shoeless. 
No, sir, he made them get dressed when they were leaving. So as when they got out, the Bible said he'd come to himself. He got so carried away, he didn't even know what had happened to him until he got on the outside. You see what God will do? He'll come to the darkest places of your life. Can I, I, I'm going to say something to you. Some of you get into places in your life, amen, that you shouldn't be there. You should not be in that place. You said, preacher, how does that happen? Do you remember, you remember when Brother Bram talks about freeing those people out of that house of hell? How many remembers that? House of hell. Remember the vision? Do you know what happened right there? That woman told Brother Branham, said, Brother Branham, them are good people. But they've misunderstood you. Said, preacher, what are you saying? It was a misunderstanding that put them in that place. And sometimes in the church, things come up and people have a misunderstanding. Instead of straightening it out, they let the devil put them in bars and it becomes a prison house to them. But I feel an anointing in this building tonight. See, house of hell, give way in the name of Jesus Christ. What happened? An anointing came. I wish I had an hour on that. Look what it done. It opened it. Some of you have been under misunderstandings and doctrines. Some of you was in misunderstandings and it had you bound to where you couldn't even serve God the way you wanted to. You're a good person, but you were in a misunderstanding and it bound you. But this message come to set you liberty. The anointing is anointing of freedom. So, Brother Wayne, what are you saying? I'm saying there's three realms. There's a humanistic realm, there's a divine revelation realm, and there's a vision realm. And you can't just live in humanistic or revelation. You're going to have to have a vision. You're going to have to get a vision of where you're going and what you're doing and how it's going to come. Do you know you're a part of this vision from the beginning? (laughs) Do you know when God spoke certain things in the Bible, he was literally talking about you? Come on, church, I'm not a heretic. You are literally in the Bible. You are the bride body of Jesus Christ. And just as predestinated as his body, so is this body predestinated. Now, come on. Y'all know know as well as I do that that only fulfills in the end time. How many knows this? How many knows the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 7 that you have been raised up to set in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? How many realizes that's not every age? That is an end time scripture. Somebody said, well, Brother Wayne, that's been in the Bible all them years. It don't matter how long it was in the Bible. It was put in the Bible in the days of Paul, but it wasn't to be lived until the days of the bride. Because there had to come something to lift up this bride into a position of authority. Come on, friends. Dead letters wasn't going to do it. But the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel out of Egypt into Israel, into the promised land, was the same pillar of fire that came to your home and began to lift you in the word to a position of authority. I know people say to me all the time, so brother Wayne, show it to me in the Bible. I think it's powerful. I'm, I'm going to borrow something from your pastor here. I think it's powerful. Read Revelations, the 10th chapter. 
Read Revelations 10. You got that, you got that picture, Michael, of that great cloud? Read Revelations 10. Read the first couple of verses of Scripture. And look what, look what it says in Revelations 10. It said, a mighty angel come down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud. Clothed with a cloud. Y'all know you're looking at the picture of Revelation, the 10th chapter. You were clothed with a cloud. Now, this is a beautiful thing to me because this represents the headship of the church. Now, somebody said, well, Brother Wayne, what are you talking about? Brother Bram said, that's our headship. He said, now, what revealed these seals was not the intelligence of a man. It was the quickening power of God. Right? And this cloud was the heavenly announcement of what was happening on the earth. Headship had come to the church and a body is positioned under a head. Come on, bride. Amen. Then he said, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, if you took your driver's license out right now and I said, who are you? You show me a picture of your face, don't you? Come on now. This is not a picture, amen, of the cross. This is not a picture of doves. This is not a picture of eagles. This is a picture of the face of Jesus Christ with the wig of seven angels teaching the supreme authority of Jesus Christ. Now, the beautiful thing here is, amen, that that is only a picture of the head. Where is the body? That's the head, but you're the body. Come on, church. Not just the body, the anointed body. Anointed by what? The same pillar of fire. That was in the beginning. You say, preacher, where is that pillar of fire? I'm looking for it. I'm looking at it. I'm not looking for the pillar of fire. I'm looking at the pillar of fire. Now, I, I got enough scripture to cover you up. I know exactly where I'm at. You are the amorphe form of Jesus Christ in this age, the bride body, which the Son of Man is now manifesting himself, not in one man, but a many-membered body. The Son of Man is increasing in the body of Jesus Christ. The pillar of fire is now. Where does the vision say the pillar of fire be? Look at Moses' tent vision. Where does the tent vision say the pillar of fire be? It'll be in that little room. <laughs> that little room is the soul. Where is the pillar of fire today, Brother Wayne? It's in the adopted sons of God. The pillar of fire is now dwelling in the church of the living God. In his body. Who are you? Tell me who I am. I like this. I love this little part right here. Look what he said. And he had his hand a little book. Excuse me. Let's go back to that first verse. And a rainbow was upon his head and his face were as the sun and his feet and his feet and his feet. Come on. What is the feet of a man? It's a part of the body and his feet as pillars of fire. Come on, church. Where is his feet? Where is the pillars of fire that's connected to Revelations 10? It's sitting in this room. 
It's the heavenly bridegroom. It's the earthly bride. She is the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. Look at this. I tell you this. You, this is Brother Wayne. Someday we're going to get in the millennium and there's a great authority. There's a great anointing going to come on the church. Amen. I agree we're going to do it in the anointing. But you're missing something. The Bible said, beloved, now we are the sons of God. Not what we shall be, but what we are right now. You are the anointed body, and the devil's trying his best to hide this from you. He's trying to put it in another age. He's trying to say, well, someday when Brother Branham comes back with a tent, the vision's going to happen, and we're going to have a great revival, and everything's going to be good, and that's going to take place. It's a lie. The devil's trying to throw you off for the position that God has given you in this age because you are the feet that is supposed to tread upon the head of the serpent in the age we're living in. I tell you what, this pillars of fire has been anointed to place their feet upon the head of the devil in the age we're living in. You are serpent stomping, Holy Ghost filled church. You said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying right now, right now you're anointed. You're anointed kings of God. Right now, can I, can I finish with saying this to you? Right now you're sons. Right now you're kings. You said, Brother Wayne, I don't feel like I have any dominion at all, but you do. You said, what is your dominion? Your dominion's over the flesh. Your dominion is, you are a believer. How many believers have got? Your dominion is over the flesh. He overcame, so you overcame the flesh. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to make fun of people, but I, I have to be honest with you. People tell me some stupid things sometimes. And they say, well, Brother Wayne, I'm afraid you're going to get in the flesh up there shouting and hollering. Well, Hello. I am a flesh man. And as long as I'm in this body, whatever I do will be in the flesh. The same flesh that wars. The same flesh that don't want to get up and come to church. The same flesh that don't want to be nice. The same flesh that wants to war every day of our lives. But there is something on the inside that is making this thing come subject to the word of God. What is it, brother? It's the anointing. So you know what I do? I'll dance in the flesh. I'll shout in the flesh. I'll praise God in the flesh. I'm not just going to do it in a theophany, brother. I'm not just going to do it in an immortal body. But in this mortal body, I will bring it subject to the word of God. And I'll say, you are going to worship the God of Abraham. Dominion over the flesh, over sin, over the world, and I really like this one, over the devil. It's written in the word, you would have a, over the devil. You said, preacher, over the devil? Do you know Brother Branham said that Jesus was raised up to the right hand of God? He said, and this body was set over Satan in authority and power. Even if you're the skin on the bottom of the feet, you are still over the devil. 
to say, preacher, what does that mean? Then that means that that pornography habit tonight, you got a right to put your foot on that thing and say you'll never. You might have took this one. You might have took that one. But because of the anointing, you cannot bring an arrow, nor can you enter the camp of the... Glory to God. I believe you've got a right to put your foot on it. I believe it. I believe you young people got a right to put your foot on fashion. I believe you got a right. You sit here with an alcohol habit tonight. You got a right to put your foot on it. Well, I can't quit these cigarettes, Brother Wayne. Listen, you can't quit it, amen, as a man. But if you'll let this anointing in your life as a power from the pillar of fire, it'll make you the son you ought to be, and it'll give you authority over every demon. Yes, sir. Brother Wayne, let me tell you, we're just subject. We're just subject to everything in this age. That's a lie. We are not subject to this devil. We may have to live here, but we don't live under the dominion of sin. We live under the dominion of Christ where he shows himself alive. Let me ask y'all something. What good is it for us to preach the God of Elijah if he ain't still alive? What good is it us to stand up here and talk about what a God was and how good he done and what great things he done unless we're willing to challenge that devil in our generation and say the same God that delivered them in the days of Moses is that God here tonight. The God that was in the days of David is the God that's here tonight. I tell you, the God that was in the days of Elijah is still the God of Elijah. I wish I was a better preacher to uplift him like this. But I'll tell you this. I have personally seen the God of Elijah. I have personally witnessed it. I have seen that God come down and materialize right in my own family. Not only did he save me, not only did he fill me with the Holy Ghost, not only did I see the mercies of God, but just a couple of years ago, my son and daughter-in-law were praying for a baby, praying for a baby, praying for a baby. Got expecting a baby and lost a baby. Expected another baby, lost a baby. I think they went to it two or three times. It was a nightmare on those kids. People started saying, well, she has some kind of disease from her family line. She'll never be able to do it. And, and she, that poor little thing, we lived there. I watched her from month to month. Amen, just every little bit. I watched this, I watched this go on. I was praying for them, asking God for them. And you know, you know, you might not realize how special a special meeting is. But a special meeting could be a change in your life. We invited, Brother Erickson invited Brother Spencer to come up and hold a special meeting for us. And we were having a little prayer line there. And I'm standing there by Brother Ron. And in my heart, I'm saying, God, if you're going to give them babies, uh, give us a baby to Anna and Zach, let them come up in this prayer line today. And no more than I said that, Zach popped up and got Anna by the hand. And Brother Jimbo, he come down and stood right there. And we started praying for him. Well, we didn't pray for him but just a few minutes. And Brother Ron kind of stepped back with a funny look on his face. And he said, Anna, you'll have that child in the name of the Lord. Well, I just started thanking God. I just started thinking a lot. A few days later, we were out there in September. We were working on Brother Wendell's parking lot on the grader, and I was listening to a tape, and I was sitting there thinking about that whole thing. It was the following September. I was sitting there thinking about that whole thing, and it could have been a May instead of October meeting. 
But we were, we were sitting there thinking about that, and the Spirit of the Lord came in there and confirmed. He said, you'll have that child. Amen. I thought, my goodness, this is powerful. The following February, we went to Brother Ron's church. And while I was preaching, I just announced to the whole church, I said, hey, y'all, I'm a grandpa. And they was all looking at me kind of funny. I said, no, I don't have any pregnancy tests, but I got some faith. I got some faith. And Brother Ron hollers off the back pew. It's on video. He, Brother Ron hollers back and he said, that's thus saith the Lord, Brother Wayne. And I stepped back and said, what'd you say? And he said, that's thus saith the Lord. I said, well, we'll send you a pregnancy test when it comes. And they did. And they did. And it wasn't long after that, Brother Ron told me, so well, Brother Wayne, the reason I was so sure is God showed me a vision standing there at the platform that day. I said, well, thank God for that. It's not human realm, not revelation realm. It's another realm altogether. Do you know, just uh, February, two years now, in February be two years, we had little Evelyn. You got a picture, Brother Michael? We had little Evelyn come into the, into the earth God gave us because our God is still the God of Elijah. That's Evelyn Marie. Brother Ron's dedicating Evelyn. We got an updated picture. And maybe one more high. She cute. So, Brother Wayne, what's wrong with you? Listen, I want that devil to know I know the God that I serve gave us that baby. Every time I pick her up, I tell the devil, God gave this one to me. Now, now, little Evelyn come along, and the Holy Spirit began to move. And you know what's amazing is Nathan standing right back there. Nathan and Cheyenne was, had a baby, Rowan, who's with them now. And they wanted to have another, and they were having trouble after trouble after trouble. And they went to the doctor, and the doctor said it's a very, I don't know what the percentages was, but it was a high percentage that they would never be able to have another child. They were surprised they had the first one. And he, and he said in his heart, he felt God. He, Brother Ray was preaching one day. He was sitting there and something came to him that he was going to have a child. He was going to have another one. And he said, he said, I had that little bit of faith. God's going to give it to me. But then we went down in, in the, uh, the, I think it was somewhere around March or May, something like that. Went down to Brother Nathan Bryant's in Jeffersonville. And we preached a meeting down there. And Brother Nathan went with us. On the Saturday night of the meeting, we had a prayer line. And Nathan come through the prayer line. But when he came through, God moved in a very supernatural way. We went down afterwards, and sometimes preachers fall apart after meetings, you know. We went down into the basement, and when we were sitting down there, he come and laid over, come and laid over the desk and started wailing out in the Spirit of God and rose up and said, Brother Wayne, God has confirmed to me tonight in this prayer line, I'll have another child. Amen. And tonight we have little Rosemary back there with Cheyenne. If you want to see her, the picture's on there for the screen audience. But they're sitting there tonight holding the supernatural in their hands. Because my God is still the God of Elijah. He cares. That lying devil. He still does. I was last year, uh, two years, August now has been a year. Brother David Mayer and I were preaching a meeting up in Mount Baker for Cloverdale there with Brother Biscoe and Brother Tom. 
And in Brother Ryan Hayes, their musician, he was a song leader. He was sitting over there playing music. And on the Sunday morning, I was preaching on visions. And I started telling that congregation the testimony about Evelyn. And when I started telling that, I looked over at him. And I had noticed through the weekend, he was under something heavy. I didn't know what it was. Didn't have a clue what he was going through. He told the testimony a year later. He said what was happening was they had had about three or four miscarriages and they were just they were just racked with this and they didn't know what to do, didn't know how to handle it. He said, and we're just about to give up on it. Well, while I was telling this testimony on the Sunday morning, the last service, the Spirit of God began to drop in the building. He said, Brother Wayne, God spoke to me and said, you will have a son and call his name Samuel. One year later, here's that baby. <laughs> Say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the anointing made a difference because 192 light beams come together. There was a power dropped in that room. She was barren when she came in, but she was fruitful when she left. There are people sitting in this room. You may be going through some of the greatest trials of your life, but you're in a place for change. God still changes hearts. He still changes lives. He still delivers souls. He still brings a captive and sets him free. Twenty years ago, Bryce Collins and his wife was wanting a child. She couldn't have one. I was preaching a meeting, and I began to just preach like this. And I seen her sitting there, younger lady. Her husband wasn't the pastor then. And I looked at her, and I said, Sister, God can fix whatever's wrong with that body. And he can give you that baby. And I was doing that. I had no clue what she was wanting or desiring. But when I said that, amen, about a year later, she came to Arkansas and handed me a baby. And she said, here is the baby baby you said I could have because our God is still the God of Elijah and I don't care what lying devil says that he's not that kind of God he's still the God that reigns and rules he is still the supernatural almighty powerful God Now, I do not look for a decrease in anointing. I do not look for a backing up in this message. But I look for those that have desired it to see a greater anointing and a greater power and a greater revival. I believe change is here. Because of the anointing. I can say to you, you won't leave here like you came. You can begin to agree together right here in this building. You may have walked in this room with a habit and you leave here without it tonight. Because the anointing, just because other people have fell under that and they can't get up don't mean you have to. I'm preaching to you. Just because your daddy took that kind of attitude and went that direction don't mean you have to. You do not have to go that way. I don't care how you were born. I don't care who your parents were. 
There was a seed in you to be a child to begin with. And the DNA of Elohim is in this bride. And under this anointing, there's something that'll change you. Put it in a prison house. God'll get them out. Put them in Egypt. God'll get them out. Put them in a dungeon. God'll get them out. Put them in sickness. God'll get them out. He's the God of Abraham. And there's none like him that can. Ain't nobody, ain't nothing like this God that we're serving here tonight. I stand before you as a witness that God is still alive. He can take a drunkard and make a preacher out of him. He can take the immoral and make him moral. He can completely change you. The musicians come. The anointing makes a difference. Because of the anointing. So, Brother Wayne, how do you think things? Because of the anointing. How do you think things could because of the anointing? But Isaiah, you don't understand. Israel just got attacked and everybody was carried away. And we're going to. Because of the anointing. So, you know what that tells me? Let the anointing loose. few years ago, I don't want you to think I'm a nut. Just a few years ago, there in True Word Tabernacle up in Ohio, I was preaching on a Thursday night. And I looked over, and there was a man come walking out of the wall, walked right down through the room. He never stepped over a pinch. He never, he never stepped over a person. He just walked right through the crowd. I said, Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the angel of the Lord still walks in rooms. So I don't know about all that supernatural stuff. I was preaching one day and the congregation was a little quiet. My mind, I was sitting there saying, Am I, have I got the right scripture? Have I got the right scripture? Did I take the right direction? And no more than I said that a light flashed over the pulpit, zigzag across my Bible and went like that. I said, thank you, Lord. And I kept standing there with a word. These things are real. Because of the anointing. That's why we stand here today. Cause of the anointing. Help us, Brother Timothy. Because. Because the anointing. Brother Wayne, who do you think you are? The anointed bride body of Jesus Christ.